Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. We're going to go straight to God's Word this morning. Like I used to say, His Word, everything God wants to do, He wants to do via His Word. If He wants to heal you, He wants to heal you via His Word. If he wants to prosper you, he wants to prosper you via his word. If God wants to make you fruitful, he wants to make you fruitful via his word. The Bible says he sent his word and he healed them. So in his word is a potential for healing. That is why in the time of the word is not a time to be distracted. When the time of the word of God is come, is the most critical time. Behind the word is the power to empower you to do that which the word instructs you to do. So that's the time to bring out your notes. And I say you have to become a culture in SLC. A culture in SLC. If you come to church, you must come to church with something to write in. You must come to church with something to write. Don't come to church empty-handed. Don't come to church, just sit down and just relax. Don't do that. Come to church ready to hear God's word. You know, in our churches, in our old churches, I went to, I, I went to Baptist church. How many of you are from Baptist church? Let me see your hands. Baptist church. Okay, my brothers are here. I'm from a Glinkan church, a Glinkan church, Methodist. Do I have Methodists in the house? Is there Equa in the house this morning? Equa. Me and Equa. Amen. Which one is there again? Assemblies of God Church. Let me see. Your hand. <laughs> Assemblies of God Church. Let me see. Your hands. <laughs> All right. We have nothing against you. <laughs> All right. So in our churches in those days, when the word is coming, if they find you talking, they look at you as if you're a demon. They would have blocked the door with one rope like this. If you are outside, remain outside. If you are inside, you can go outside. That's how serious. You know, because we think we are civilized now, we have debt, we are New Testament believers, we think we have more knowledge than those are our parents, and we have lost the disciplines that give them the strength that they had. And so we have debt and no power. No power. We have knowledge, but no power. The word of God is what he uses to heal. He sent for this word and he healed them. You see, and that is why you must take it first place in your life. If I call you now and say, please, can you give me 10 scriptures on healing? You should be able to give it to me because you are a student of the word. Don't come to church, you know, and not be willing to learn. The church is a school. So you must approach the church with that posture of coming to learn. What you are coming to hear is able to change your life. These words are powerful. One of my daughters in the house had a testimony. Where are you? Shama. Where she sit there? Shama, please come. Come and share your testimony. So I said I wasn't call her out to share a testimony. It's going to corroborate what I'm saying now. Hmm? 
Let's celebrate as she comes forward. Let her come up stage. Come up stage. Okay, so tell us what happened. Um, couple of weeks ago. Uh, can you hear? Can okay, you can hear? you hear me now? <laughs> okay. A couple of weeks ago, I woke up around 2 a.m. with a pen on the left side of my jaw. You know, some days before that, I had been beaten by a dog and I had done the whole preliminary before then. And my mind had even gone away from that. By the next morning, the pain was bad. I could not open my mouth. I could not chew. If I put food in my mouth, it would look like my jaw is about to lock. So I Googled, right? <laughs> and then I saw locked jaw. And then you will not be, your jaw will lock, you will not be able to breathe. Fear came in. I went to the hospital. The doctor said it's rare that there is a connection between this and that. They just gave me injection. They weren't even taking it seriously that, that much. I came back home. It was bad. It was worse. I could not, I, I, I literally began to fear. I was hearing a voice in my head saying, so this is how you're going to die. <laughs> I was saying, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm sorry if I've ever taken my life <laughs> on seriously. And then there was now a pain in my breast that was strange. It just felt like so many things were happening at the same time to feed the fear that I was going to die. And right there in my room, I remembered something Pastor had said the previous Sunday about hearing God's word. And I started looking for every message I could find Pastor Philip had preached on healing. I was listening to it all through the day. I just kept listening and listening and listening. And I'd write down every scripture passage I could find on healing. I was confessing, I was praying, I was listening, I confessed, I was pacing around my room all that day. And um, by the end of that day mm. it still feels surreal by the end of that day everything the pain i woke up the next morning it was just i am i'm still mind blown and then i pushed it a little further i have always had menstrual cramps bad ones terrible cramps and my mom would say I had it too, you know. Don't worry, by the time you start giving birth, it, it would ease off. It's not spiritual. <laughs> and I would always, it became normal for me to take pain relief every time I was menstruating. I didn't even think, you know, something becomes so normal that you don't realize it's abnormal. And then mm. I just decided to push further. And I told God that, no more. Mm. And I had my period. Smooth. Mm. Nothing. God's mm. word works. Let's celebrate her. The te this testimony is very similar to that that Doin shared some months ago. She, she had a growth in her armpit and she had gone to check it in the hospital. I mean, the growth was there. There was no problem. It wasn't like it was dangerous, but she just wanted to check why this thing is not going. You know, and they checked it. You know, they will always see what was not there before. Listen to me. I have doctor friends. I have a lot of, and I keep them because I need someone to let me see what Satan is trying to do. They would see what is not there before. It's like having your car to a mechanic. You complain that there was a noise at the tires. They are going to repair every other thing apart from the noise in the tires. 
everything that you did not complain of, they are going to see it. So they now saw that there was a lump in her other breast. Now she had no pain in that breast. She had nothing doing in her breast. This was where she wanted to check that they have seen something here, here that was not there before. And she called me. She was supposed to go back to the, to the hospital the next day. They are supposed to get it cut out. And um, what do they call that about for me? What was that? Eh? That thing that he said. They are supposed to do that thing that he said. So, the next morning she was supposed to go. I said, don't even dare go. I said, feed your heart with the word of God. You see, because her mom died of breast cancer. You see, her mom said, don't worry, I had it, you're going to have it. The Bible says, and I'm going to explain this in scriptures, that you have a new parent. He doesn't have cancer. The doctors will tell you that if it's in your father, it's a great, there's a great possibility for it to be in you. If it's in your mother, there's a great tendency for it to be in you. That's normal, hereditary. And I don't argue against hereditary. Holding the argument for hereditary constant. I now belong to a new father. And I agree that what is in him is in me. And what is not in him is not in me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so she stayed back for weeks and confessed the word over and over and over and over in her own body. By the time she went back to the hospital, everything had disappeared. Everything had disappeared. The Bible says he sent his word and he healed them. The word of God is his tool for transformation. I wish I can overemphasize this. If you are not a word student, you can never have faith. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. The seed is the word. The water is the word. The Bible says that it might wash them by the washing of the water by the word. So the seed of God's word, the seed is God's word and the water is the word. Paul says, I have planted. Apollos did what? And God gave what? So Apollos watered the seed that Paul planted. What planted, what Paul planted was the word. What Apollo was doing by watering was to put more word on the word that was already planted. It takes more word to grow in the word. So over and over and over and over, when you have planted the seed in your heart, it grows and brings forth fruit that you can pluck anytime. And that's why the Bible says that faith is like a mustard seed. When it says faith is like a mustard seed, Jesus wasn't talking about the size of faith alone. He was talking about the nature of faith. That faith needs to be planted long before the need arises. If you wait for the need to come, then you're already too late. Don't wait till the doctor says that you need a CS. Before you start saying, I am a Hebrew woman. I am a Hebrew woman. You are not a Hebrew woman. You are a Yoruba girl. Go for the CS. It's already too late. It's already what? Don't put your life in danger. Faith has to be planted long before the need arises. Don't wait till you get into marriage. Before you start confessing over your marriage, don't wait till you, your children begin to smoke and go. Before you say, ah, my children shall, say, they shall be taught of the Lord. You are late. You are late. Long before they come. Begin to speak the word. I've planted the word of healing on my, in my own heart long before now. And so if you see me react, 
against sickness, we I react against sickness. It's not because, it's because I've planted a tree. I've been planting my seeds and they have grown. I've been planting seeds on healing at least 15 years. At least 15 years. So if somebody comes to me and say, Pastor, I have this pain in my body and I say, Live in the name of Jesus. And it happens like that. It's not because I, I, it's not because it just happened. It's because I have a tree in my house. I have a tree in my heart whose fruits I can pluck at any time. Now, I was sharing testimony with um, Dara and Alufa yesterday in, when we went to go and minister. I said that the way I see God giving people children through my ministry is not, even me now, I'm not very shocked. That as this now, I'm very shocked. That is so serious. It's so serious that I know at least, I know at least two people, two single girls that got pregnant out of wedlock. So you are fornicating. Don't come close. You see, I'm telling you the truth. They had issues around their body. One of them was in my office. You know, she cried and cried and came. She was on her way to the hospital. She had six, seven months not seen her period. Prayed for her. She got pregnant. Single girl. Just as sure as this. So I said, I was, there, I was just in them yesterday. I said, the one that shocked me most, I've, I've seen this happen over and over. People have said, Pastor, please, even our church, even our church here in SLC, I've seen people, I'll just joke, I'll say, I'll come to your house, just give me food, give me food, give me food. If I can eat like this in your house, oh, you're you pregnant. Let me just eat first. And I've seen that happen over and over. Even people that are outside Abuja, there was a particular couple in Badon who didn't have a child. We waited on the other side. So they, they had one of my sermons when I said, I asked them to give me food. And so they, they said they, didn't have, they couldn't bring me down to Badon. So they, they, they sold the seed into our partnership account. They said, Lord, we are sowing this seed, you know, since you can't bring Pastor Philip to Badon. So he said, call me, Pastor of Sonny. I said, oh, let me pray with you. Put the phone on speaker. Put the phone on speaker. Called them on the phone. They got pregnant that month. Gave birth. I saw the baby. There's a lady in Lagos. Two weeks, two years, she's been waiting on the Lord. No baby. Two years. When I went to Lagos for our volunteers meeting, she told me, the pastor, my, my husband and I, waiting on the Lord. I said, you cannot serve with me in the overflow and be barren. I said, I'm coming back for the overflow. By the time I prayed for her, when we went for the volunteer meeting, which was about three weeks, by the time I was going to be going back for the meeting, she was already pregnant. Already pregnant. My friend, my colleague, my classmates, two of them are my classmates. We studied law in Obafemi University. They got married. They've been married for seven years, no children, and I did not know. Honestly, I did not know. So she wanted me to paint. She wanted to paint her husband. She wanted me to do a painting for her husband, a surprise painting for her husband. And so I, she said, "Then they have gone to snap pictures and all that. They, they, they snapped the family picture." I said, "You can send me the family picture. Let me even have your family picture, even if I'm not painting that one." She said, "No, it's just me and my husband." I said, "What? You don't have kids yet?" She said, "They don't have kids. Seven years of not having kids. This was December. Seven years." I said, "If this painting should enter your house, you'll be pregnant." The thought was a joke. Carried the painting. When I went to a kitchen to send it, I lay hands on the painting. You painting. I put all the anointing of my life on you now. As you are going to that house, their barrenness is over. She called me that she has gotten pregnant. Seven years. Now, I did not plant that seed today. It is easy for you to pluck a fruit when the tree is in your house. 
easy for me to just go and pluck a fruit because I planted the seed. I had watered the seed. If you wait for the need to arise, it will be too late. When is the time to dip your nose into God's word? Now. Before you get married? Now. Before you have to go and hide your money with your parents? Now. When is the time to dip your nose into God's word concerning your marriage? Now. Now. Now is the time. To get your health intact, how are you going to give back to children? Now. Now is the time. Deep the word. Deep the word. Tell them, say, neighbor, eat the word. Eat the word. You see, this Bible, this Bible is full of power. Full of power. Some of us have it in the house. We just keep it. We don't open it. We never open it until Sunday mornings. Okay, today we're talking about understanding righteousness and the point that we are justified in Christ. Pastor me was teaching yesterday. I'll just do a little recap. First thing is that it gives us the privilege of sonship. A privilege of sonship. In Christ, when you follow Christ, when you know Christ, you become a son. You become a daughter. You become a son and you become a daughter. In Christ. The Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago. He said, Philip, I want you to raise sons for me. Sons. I don't want fans in SLC. I want sons. I want daughters. Because the, the bloodline of the blessings follows through sonship. And you know, it's a family pattern. If you are not a son in the house, you have no right to the blessing in the house. I want sons. I want God to raise sons in this place. Sons whose heart is here. Who are committed. Sons who are saving. Daughters who are saving. Just that you are giving birth by this person. You can you can you are you are you are entitled to the inheritance in that house. The moment you come to Jesus, you become a son. In John chapter 1, verse 12. Do more help me. John chapter 1, verse 12. Media, are you ready? John chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible says, give me King James. Do you have it? As men that you received him. To them he to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on as his name. As many that received him, he gave them what? So you see, it becomes, it becomes, it, it takes power to become the son of God. It gave them power. As men that received them. The moment you come to Jesus, it makes you a son. It makes you a daughter. And that automatically entitles you to all the privileges that comes with sonship. What are the privileges of being God's child? Automatically you are entitled to it by being a son. Give me Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15 to 18. Who is the image of the invisible God? Image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. Firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created. Yes. That are in heaven and that are on, in earth. Yes. Visible and invisible. Yes. Whether they be thrones or dominions or yes. principalities or yes. powers. All things were created by him and so for him. He's describing Jesus here. Everything created by him and for him. Yes. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. All things consist. Yes. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Yes. That's verse what? Verse 18. Verse 18. If you look at verse 15, he calls him the firstborn. Verse 18 says, He is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Please follow me closely. The Bible first described him in John 3:16 as the only begotten son. Is that what the Bible says about him? For God so loved the world that he did what? 
he was the only begotten son of God. But when Colossians was going to describe him, it described him as the firstborn. And what that means is that if there's a first, then there must be a second. Then there must be a third. Maybe a hundred. Maybe a thousand. You know, maybe a billion. And like I used to say, I may not know where I am, but my number is in there somewhere. I might be the 100,000 billionth child, billion son. You know the good thing about being the second born or the third born? Is that even though your bondment may be different, your sonment is the same. Yeah. You get that? You get that? First born and second born and third born, they are bondment. Don't write that in an exam. Their bondment may be different, but their sonment is the same. I have three daughters. None of them is more daughtered, more daughterly, or whose daughterment is more than the other daughters. All of them are equal daughters. So the fact that he came first doesn't mean he's greater. As it were now, you are as much a son of God as Jesus is. I want that to sink into your heart. You are as much. Jesus called you his brother. Hebrews chapter 2, help me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. For both, for both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified both are all he of one. That sanctified and they who have been sanctified are all of one. Are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So give us NLT. What does NLT say with that? NLT for that. Hebrews 2, verse 11. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have put your the same eyes, Father. Put your eyes on that scripture. Did you see that scripture? Can you see that scripture? SLC. Are you here? Okay, stop thinking about. Keep your eyes on the scripture. So now, Jesus and the ones he makes holy. Who are the ones he makes holy? Me. He says that we have the same father. Makes us equal sons and daughters. As you are seated here, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Ah, <laughs> I don't want problem with angels. <laughs> now my judge, now my, now my place, I stay. Papa, I don't want problem, Pastor. He says you have the same father. He says he's not ashamed. Did you see that? Can you see that scripture? Keep your eyes on the scripture, please. He says he's not ashamed to call them his brothers. You see, you are the one that may be ashamed of yourself. You look at your life and you are ashamed. You look at what you are doing and you are ashamed. Jesus is not ashamed of you. Shame is not in the kingdom. You see, the Bible says that for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Shame is an element of darkness. And the devil keeps you going back to your vomit and keeps you regretting. There's one between regret and repentance. And regret makes you feel bad for doing it. And but that does not stop you from going back to do it. And the things I've done today, you are doing it, you are doing, you are regretting, you are still doing it, you are regretting, you are still doing it. Because regret is not the fruit of the spirit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can regret and still go back. So shame will come after regret. Satan pulls you into a vomit, then baptizes you with shame. And the shame draws you back into it. And that's why people that are addicted to things keep going back as bad as they feel about what they're doing. You're addicted to nicotine, addicted to crack, addicted to whatever. 
They keep going back to it. The Bible says he's not ashamed. Keep that scripture on the screen. He's not ashamed. Jesus is not ashamed of you. When the prodigal son came back, he says, Father, I'm not worthy to be any. He says, shush, shush. A son is a son forever. And I told you that, that the prodigal son is a son. God has different kinds of children. He has wonderful children. He has beautiful sons and daughters. He has obedient sons and daughters. He has prodigal sons and daughters. And a prodigal son is a son that is prodigal. His prodigalment did not unson him. The fact that he missed his way, a lost sheep is not a goat. A lost sheep is a lost sheep. A prodigal son is not a bastard. A prodigal son is a son. The Bible says he's not ashamed to call them brothers. So it was Jesus who called me his brother. It was Jesus who says, both of us now have the same father. He said to Mary Magdalene, book of John, he says, go to my brothers. Tell them I go to my God and their God, my father and their father. It was Jesus that was willing to share his father with me. And you call yourself a son of God. No, I did not call myself a son of God. It was God that says I'm his son. Are you following my point? Romans chapter 5 says that while we're yet seen as Christ died for us. In our worst situations. Give me Romans. Romans quickly. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. King James. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. To 17. Romans chapter 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit. Yes. Of God. They are sons of God. So I'm... I'm, I'm I need your eyes to be on that scripture. As many, why? Media, what's up? What's up? Are we good? Okay. As men that are, are what? They are led by what? Spirit of God. They are what? They are the so let me give you just a little, a little touch over there. Men that are led by the Spirit, they are not led by open doors. Hmm? Open doors are not the leadership of the Spirit. Not every open door. Is a open door. Some open doors open straight to prison. Yeah. And the greatest strategy of the devil against the believer is to give him opportunities that have no connection with his calling. You see, because Satan comes to you in sin, you're going to rebuke him. But if he comes to you in open doors, you're going to give testimony. The Bible says, and there was bread in Egypt you see that there was, there was bread Abraham heard that there was bread in Egypt and he went to Egypt he went to Egypt and his life never remained the same why? when he was going to leave Egypt he carried one small girl her name was Aga, she didn't even have breasts by that, by that time small girl like this who would have believed that that small seed that Abraham picked innocent girl was going to be the pit that would be drawing the world into the shame and the pain and the terror that we are facing today. Because he went to Egypt. And why did he go to Egypt? He heard that there was bread in Egypt. Every good news didn't come from God. The Bible says those that are led by the Spirit, please follow me, they are the sons of God. You are not led by opportunities. 
You're not just led by anything you see. Let's go. Before you know it, you live where God has planted you. Because you heard that there was bread. Give me the next verse. What does it say next? Help me. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have not received the bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. You have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry. Whereby we cry. Abba, Father. So the Bible says that we have received the spirit of adoption. Don't say, but I don't like that word adoption. I don't like that word adoption. I don't want to feel like I'm, a, I'm an adopted child. An adopted child. But you're adopted. You know what's good about being adopted? You know what's good about being adopted? You know what's good about being adopted? You are chosen. There are people who give out to children. They regret giving back to those children. God forced those children on them. <laughs> if they have their way, they will not have born those children. But if a man is adopted, the parents went there and out of all the children, they said, give me this one. You see that? You are facing the spirit of adoption. What does it next? Help me. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. With our spirits. That we are the children we of are God. We are children of God. And if children. If children. Then heirs. If you are children of God, then we are heirs. <laughs> heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. And I explained what this means to you. Last three weeks. That what it means to be heirs with Christ. Is that everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you? Jesus was willing to share what he has with you, and he puts absolutely no difference. No difference. He says, You are my joint hair. That means he's not saying that I'm superior to you. Listen to me. Jesus does not have any problem sharing his parents with you, he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any problem sharing his father, his tough with you. The Bible says, this same works that I do, shall you do also. And greater works than this, because I go to my father. Everything that I have is yours. You have the capacity and you have the ability to walk in any of it. Are you following me this morning? Yes, sir. Church, look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't allow anything to distract you. Let's not want you to hear this thing. But I must tell you, you are joint heirs with him. So you have the privilege of sonship. Second, you have the privilege of access. Pastor me speaking on that. Unrestrained access. Unrestricted access. Irregulated. Unregulated access. There is no visiting hours. Are you following my point? There is no visiting hours. That we only visit between Mondays to Fridays, between 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. No. You have access to the holies of holies. You have access to God. 12 midnight, access to God. 2 a.m., access to God. 4 p.m., access to God. Equal. That means nobody on earth has more access to God than you. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, you know, they had to come, they had to dress in a particular way, wear something, have to dance like this, dance like that. Before they can enter the Holy of Holy, they have to, to read something. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You have access. Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly, he says. Come boldly. He said that you might obtain mercy. Imagine somebody coming to ask for mercy. 
and still coming. Have you ever seen a bold beggar? He said, please, I don't take old notes. He said, Ross, I don't know if you have me, but I know you take old notes. That's a bold, you're coming boldly. So you're coming to ask for mercy that you might obtain mercy and help. You're coming to ask for help, but you're not coming beggarly. You have access. Your father is, is at your beck and call. That's what it means. When you come to Jesus, that's what you have. My children don't have to give me all my, you know, like I used to say, my, my first daughter, Tino, used to have nightmares when she was a baby. And she would scream out of her sleep. And when she screamed, our room, she was sleeping in a different room, I would run from my room into her room to find out what was wrong, you know, with, with anything. I just run, brrr, in case there's a devil, there's like, I can just capture the devil once and for So she just shouts. She, when she wants to shout, she doesn't start with Pastor Philip on the back in the pastor's life, life child, the only one that's going to be she doesn't she just say daddy no introduction no anything I, it's like see Abba Father Abba Father you see that's the connection access 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 you have access to God you don't have there's nobody there's no bishop on earth there's no pastor on earth I don't have more access to God more than you have. I may possibly have used my access more than you have. But I don't have more access. And because if I'm a regular visitor, I have found out what the protocol of the house is. And it looks as if I'm getting things easier, easily done. Not because I have more access, but because I have used it. The Bible says they become masters by the reason of use. I pray. They know my voice. They hear it. The heavens open because I am not a stranger. The Bible says, he that abides in the presence under the shadow of the Almighty, he abides. He's not a visitor. Yes, he abides. That's where he lives. It's his habitation, not a visitation. Yes, sir. Access. You have dominion over devil. You have victory over sin, over fear, over death, over darkness. Dominion over Satan. Dominion over Satan. As a justified person in Christ, you have dominion over Satan and his cohorts. You have dominion over everything Satan wants to do around your life. Listen to me, child of God. We need to teach, in, we need to teach believers of the authority of a believer. Most believers, when people call me for reasons, they have no reason calling me. Say this is not an emergency. But because we have not learned it. You have authority over Satan. You have authority. Somebody say, Pastor, you know, uh, Daniel, where Daniel was praying. The Bible says the priest of Persia, they cash the answer of his prayer. Ah, priest of Persia. Priest of Persia caught one angel that was bringing uh, Daniel's prayer. <laughs> I laughed. I don't need an angel to come and deliver a message to me. I'm living in the heavenly places. I'm seated in the heavenly places. Are you following my point? I don't need an angel to come down to come and tell me anything. The Almighty God lives on my inside. That's why I don't say Father. That's why I say Father. You see that? Is here. Zoe, 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 Zoe. You know that song? Zoe, is that the key? Sing it, tell me. Zoe. This, this life 
that I am is a lie. Yeah. This life that I have is a lie. Sing this life, this life that I have is a life of Some people want to pray. They say, you know, before I pray, I must first clear all the demons in the spiritual place so that my, my prayer can have one small hole to just pass to God. Uh -huh. Say, we have to bombard the gates of heaven. How did you come out? You are supposed to be seated in heavenly places. How did you come out that you now have to bombard the gate? Who shut you out? We don't have to bombard the gates of heaven. We are seated in heaven. It is not a location. It is a position. I'm telling you the truth. Even in my bedroom, I am seated in heavenly places. Psalms 51 is a scripture that David prayed when he started begging the Holy Ghost not to leave him. That's for the Old Testament sets. That's not for the New Testament sets. The, Holy, the, the Old Testament sets had the Holy Ghost with them. The New Testament sets has the Holy Ghost in him. And there's a covenant that he will never leave nor forsake you. That's different. So Daniel had to pray because the prince of Pasha were held him, holding back his prayers. But you don't have to pray against the prince of Pasha or the prince of Abuja or the prince of your village because you are not on the same level. But so you are seated far above. Powers. You are seated far above principalities. That's where you are seated. That's where you are. You are not seated there with all these local witches. You are not dragging with witches. Witches are the least ever. They are, they are the least in Satan's hierarchy. The smallest if you catch one of them like this, you can even finish it. You are sitting far above. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 14, he says, shortly, our father God will bruise the head of Satan under your feet. Your master is under your feet. See, our pastor, I don't want any issue with demons. So. And then, I don't want to, No, that means you don't know. If I tell you where I came from, I've said my story from my father was an abalist. All these demons, they used to be my colleagues. I know them. I know their weaknesses. I know the limits of their power. I've casted out demons. Casted out demons anyhow. Casted out demons anyhow. Any down. Covenant, uh, covenant demon. Demons, one demon say, I'm the prince of, uh, I'm the prince of the coast. I said, this place look like your coast. You know that this place is my room. This is your coast. You go to your coast. Say, I'm queen of coast. Queen of where? The Bible says he gave you authority and dominion over everything that passes through the paths of the river. You see that? Even in the waters, Leviathan, Leviathan, the great dragon, even in the waters, everything that creepeth on the floor, serpents, whatever they are, that flight in hair, birds, witches, whatever they are, you have authority in Christ. You have authority in Christ. Don't be sheepish and be cowardly. You have a small dream. 
you're already shaking. You will go back and deal with them in that dream. Somebody served me food in dream, didn't bring meat. I return it. I don't eat without meat. I don't eat without meat. Where's the meat? No protein. Satan. That's what being in Christ does to me. And Satan feeds on your ignorance because he knows you don't know. The Bible says that for we are not ignorant of his devices. For you shall know the truth. You shall set you free. The strongest weapon in the hands of Satan is your ignorance. He doesn't have power than he has in those days. Jesus Christ showed him, showed him Shege. Paul showed him Shege. Even if he buys glasses from ice, ice Isis, we will still show him shake. Alright? So you have victory over Satan. Victory over sin. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, help me. Hebrews 2 verse 14, give me amplified. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, amplified. Yes. 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 Can you hear? Our mic is not working. All right, continue. Therefore, since therefore, yes, these his children share in flesh and blood, yes, and the physical nature of human beings, yes, he himself in a similar manner partook of the same nature, yes, that by going through death, yes, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of so death. So by going through death, Jesus rendered he who had power over death powerless. So that you will not taste it. If you look at Hebrews chapter, that's Hebrews chapter 2. You look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. Help me do more. Verse 9 of the same Hebrews chapter 2. But we do see Jesus. We see Jesus. Who was made lower than the angels yes. for a little while. Yes. By taking on the limitations of humanity. Yes. Crowned with glory and honor. Yes. Because of his suffering of death. Yes. So that by the grace of God. Yes. Extended to sinners. Yes. He might experience death for the sins of everyone. So if you look at that, you are reading from what translation? This says experience death for every, every what? Individual person. So the, the difference between dying for everyone or dying for everybody and dying for each one. You see, what it means is that Jesus did not die for all of us. He died for each of us. So when he hung on that cross, he died your death. You, you add you on his mind. What's your name? What's your name? Eh? Daniel. So, Jesus Christ was on the cross. He saw your face. He saw your face and he died your death on the cross. Are you following my point? Yes, sir. So, no matter what goes wrong in your life, he had designed that you would not taste death. You will not have to go to hell because you, already, you have victory over death. When a believer dies, a believer in Christ does not die. They go to sleep. If you have any sibling or anybody or any Christian person that you know that died, they did not die. They don't even feel the things you are feeling for them. They don't feel it. There was a man who died and the wife brought prayer warriors. And they began to pray. Father, bring him back. Father, bring him back. And after praying, the man jacked back to life. He was very offended. He was very angry. He said, why did you do that? What 
What did that for? He said, I was already going towards the light. He said, I saw the bright light. He said, there was peace like nobody can understand. No house rent issues, school fees issues, motor spoil. The kind of peace that he was, he has never expressed in his life. Ain't no worry. You know, because some people, you know, as you are like this, you, are, you still have trouble in your heart. You have paid your house rent, but you are not sure that you're going to pay for next year. You get my point. Satan just has way to put you perpetually in worries. Okay, you have gotten visa, but you are not sure whether you're going to get a job when you get to Canada. It just means that even if you have covered, if you have crossed this or do, you are already worrying about the next one. You have not married, or you are already thinking they are going to die when you are giving birth. I'm telling you the truth. She's saying, yeah, okay, hey, I've not even gotten boyfriend, but will I be able to deliver like this? Satan knows how to do that. So he was in a place where there was zero worries. As he advanced towards the light, he just saw that he was slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. Before you know, he just woke up in Abuja again. Ha! Under the government of Buari. He said, yay! Why did you do that? If you have born again believers who are dead, they are more alive than you. You know, I was in, I was in, I was in law school to teach one particular morning. But when I got there that to preach that day, everybody was feeling very... Can you all hear me? Can you hear me? Hear me? Can you hear me there? Okay. They were so... I just saw everybody was looking moody and gloomy. I said, they said, what happened? They said there was a lady that died that weekend. And you know, everybody was down. Ah. And I was supposed to preach. How am I going to preach to these people that are down like this? So I changed my sermon right there. And I thought, what happens to a believer that dies? And I began to teach them on what happens to a believer when a believer dies. And as I was teaching them, unknown to me, there was a lady in that congregation whose parents, you know, had lost one of her siblings. And all of them in that family had walked away from church. Everybody had left church. Everybody had abandoned church. Because they thought that they had prayed. The guy did it. So they felt very disappointed and very, very down. And so everybody left church. And somebody had forced her to that meeting, even though she didn't want to come. So she sat at the back. And as I was preaching, I preached. I said, look, if a person dies in Christ, they are not dead. They are with Jesus. And I've seen someone with Jesus before. I was praying for a sister, and I saw her mother. I described her mother. I said, I just saw your mother with Jesus now. She was weeping because I described her mom. I said, Jesus is talking. To, I saw Jesus talking to your mother now. That's how serious it is. As I was preaching, as I was preaching, tears were flowing from her eyes. She packed the bag and went back to their house in Ondo and preached the same sermon to the entire family and everybody went back to church. Can you see how somebody's physical death resulted to the spiritual resurrection of the entire family? Can you see how God can walk out light out of darkness? As a believer, we have victory over death. Why? Jesus tasted death each one of us. Hallelujah. Amen. The next thing that he did is that he gave us I said give us of sonship, of access, dominion over Satan and now we have victory over fear, over guilt, over death and over sickness. We have victory over sickness. Hallelujah. Because of my time, my time is up. Pastor Fumi, you know, challenged me last week so I want to wish I finish, you know, praise the Lord. But somehow the time has gone off so please don't blame me. Um, I cannot know what the time is. So, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Help me do more if you have it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. What's up with the lights? Okay, please check it out quickly. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, yes, yes, he is a new 
Yes. 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 I've passed away. Behold. New things have become. Yes. That's amplified. Give me King James. Simple. King James. What does it say? Help me. You guys can quote the offer now. If a man be in Christ, behold. How many things have become new? All things have become new. Every old thing is passed away. You are not that lady that did that stuff. The lady that did that stuff is dead. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. You know, Paul, one day was preaching in one of his churches. I think it's the Philippian church. He said, I have offended no man. Huh? <laughs> he said that. He said, I have offended no man. He said, but Mr. Paul, you were the one that was there when they were stoning Saul. He said, that Paul was dead. I have offended no man. The man that cheated in jam is dead. So when I say, I never cheated before in my life, I mean it. I never cheated in my life. The one that cheated is dead. I'm a newborn creature. Brand new. Never lived before. The moment you come to Jesus, you are brand new. Your spirit is rebirthed. You've never done all those stuff before. And that is why this issue about, um, what's that thing people give back what they do? Eh? Restitution will cause more problems. If you want to insist on it. Are you following my point? Because some of you are stolen meat. From your mommy's pot. Now your mommy has died. Who will you confess to? That means you are eternally damned. Is that not what it means? That's what it means. If I have to give back, return back, take back everything I've ever done in my life, or everything I've ever stolen in my life, why well, I don't encourage anybody to steal anything? But the truth is that I cannot pay for my sins. The wages of sin is death, not undoing. The wages, the payment for sin is death. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they can say, hey, oh yeah, give me, let me vomit. I vomited. No, you have already eaten it. Somebody has to die when sin is committed. That's what it says. You know, in our laws, in our law practice, if you steal something, except because of our corrupt judicial system with all this issue about somebody stealing one billion, returning 100,000, you cannot undo a crime. Committed a crime, committed a crime. If you, if you, if you do something wrong about against someone, it's a crime. It's a crime against the state. That's crime. If you steal somebody's laptop, it's a crime against the state. If I say, no, no, it's not my laptop, they can even arrest the person. That you are, you are, you are aborting a thief. That's it. The crime that was committed. So I don't encourage people to steal things or do things that are wrong, you know, but I cannot make this doctrine of um, restitution a requirement for salvation. I can't. Then why did Jesus die? Look, I cannot even count all the sins I've committed in my life. If I sit down, did I give my life to Christ? I say, you must begin to undo everything you have done. I'll just give up. Say, okay, let me just be following the sin I'm sinning. Because, I don't, because no man can be saved. Who then can be saved? The Bible says in the book of Acts, it says, let us not make it difficult for those that are coming to Jesus. In, this, in the New Testament, and I'm not saying this to approve polygamy, 
I'm not saying this to corroborate people. Polygamy is never God's plan. It's not God's will. In fact, it's against God's will. When Paul began to speak to the churches and said, anyone that must be a bishop must be a husband of one wife. A leader, a pastor must be a husband of one wife. Does it mean that there are people there with two wives? Okay. If there are not people there with two wives, why is he saying one wife? Like saying, everybody that must attend says he must have one head. Who has two heads? That can be a requirement. That can be a requirement. So, who do you want to get married to? The person must marry, must be God-fearing. Marry Satan-fearing now. That can be a requirement. God-fearing cannot be a requirement. What are you considering before? Someone that is not God-fearing? God-fearing cannot be a requirement. That's, that's, that's basic. That's, that's, that's giving. can be a requirement. You shouldn't be thinking of somebody who is not God-fearing. I know throughout the scriptures, Paul didn't talk about what people should do with their two wives. He didn't say anything. It was just let Holy Ghost be talking to you by yourself. What the Lord tell what's the Lord telling you to do? Your heart. Victory over all sins. The Bible says you're a new creature. You are new. When you come to Christ, you are new. You are brand new. You are brand new. You have come to Christ and you have taken in the righteousness of Christ. I'm going to end with this because of my time. Romans chapter 5, give me 18 to 19. Give me King James, do more, then we'll run through with NLT. Give me, what does it say? Romans 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment. By the offense of one judgment came upon all. Yes. All men to condemnation. Yes. Even so, by the righteousness of one. Even so, by the righteousness of one person. Yes. The free gift came upon all men. The free gift came upon all of us. Yes. Next verse. Justification of life. Yes. For as by one man's disobedience. As by one man's disobedience, one man. You see, it was not Adam and Eve, it was one man. It was Adam that disobeyed. Eve was deceived. Mm. Mm. That was why Eve and Adam were not naked until Adam ate the fruit. Mm. You see that? By one man's disobedience, one man, it was Adam who disobeyed. The Bible says Adam disobeyed. Many were made sinners. All of us inherited sin. Not because we did anything wrong, but because of what Adam did wrong. If all of us become sinners because of what Adam did wrong, all of us became righteous because of what Jesus did right. You see, I am not a sinner because I sinned. I'm a sinner because of what Adam did. And if all of you agree with me today that by nature we are sinners because of what Adam did, then you must by necessity agree with me that if I can inherit sin, then I must be able to inherit righteousness. That I'm not righteous because of what I did right. The Bible says by one man's obedience, many shall be made you see, we were made righteous. We did not become righteous by good deeds. I was made, oh Jesus. I was made righteous because of what Jesus did. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says it's a gift from God. It costs a free gift. It's a free gift. I am not a sinner because I wear skimpy clothes. You know, when I go to preach to people, I don't talk about what they're wearing. 
I don't say fire will damage that your. I don't say. You are a murderer. You are a criminal. <laughs> I don't do that. Because people are not sinners because they smoke. People are sinners because Adam sinned. So if just by being born, I became a sinner, then just by being born again, I become righteous. Did you get that? By what Christ did. So the word justified means just as if I never sinned. It looks at me like that. When God looks at me, he looks at my spirit. You see, my spirit is exactly like Jesus. Because 2 chapter 5 verse 21 says that he who knew no sin, help me the more. 5 verse 21, he who knew no sin was made sin. 5 21, 2 Corinthians 5 21. King James, yes. Media. Five for, he the, for he had made him to be seen for us. So the Bible says God made Jesus to be seen. Let me let you know that Jesus Christ did not commit sin. Jesus Christ was made sin. So he did not become, he did not commit sin. He became sin. He became the personality of sin when he hung on that cross. That was sin. That was the personality. Sin. And that was why Father had to take his eyes off him because this son had become a sacrifice. All throughout scriptures, Jesus never regarded or, or referred to God as Father, as, as God. He referred to him all the time as Father. He said, my Father was in heaven. My Father would do this. My Father would do that. It was the first time he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because right now, it was not a Father-Son relationship. It was a God-sacrifice relationship. So when he hung on that cross, it became sin. The Bible says that we, we, it became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, all our righteousness are filthy rags. Filthy rags, you know, just for the sake of being modest. What it means by filthy rags is like a menstrual rag. That's how it is. God says, whatever you are doing to make yourself right, can't work. Can't work. In my former church, one day I prayed for five hours. Five hours. Five hours. Hey, when I got to church, my shoulder was like this. As I was entering, I said, if only these people know that I have been in the presence of the Lord for the past five hours. Someone just greeted me casually. I said, Little do you know. <laughs> if you had known that I have been in the presence of the Lord five hours, you'd have greeted me, it'd be more special. Somebody passed a difficult message. <laughs> Ignorant. <laughs> Ignorant ones. Little did they know. And as I was boosting my spirit, the Lord says, ah, How many hours did you pray? I said, Five hours. He said, The Bible says, 1,000 years is like one day before the Lord. Say, can you please calculate your hours now in terms of this? <laughs> millisecond. Because I cannot gain anything with God or righteousness with God with works. If it is works, then it must be by works. If it is by grace, then it must be by grace. The Bible says that Christ, Christ became right, it became sin for me. Me. 
I might be the righteousness of God in Christ. Say, but pastor, you don't even know what I'm doing. You see, like in your spirit, your body has not caught up with your spirit. The day you gave your life to Christ was the day you became exactly like God. You are born. You see, Adam was born in the likeness of God. When he sinned, he fell. So the day you give your life to Christ, that day your spirit caught up. Bah, straight. Exactly. Perfect. Needed no growth. Needed nothing. But then your flesh has not caught up with your spirit. That's how the Bible says that be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, it will take gradual reprogramming of your mind. You are trapped You have a soul. You have a body. You are spirit. You see, your body is the part that we can relate with and the part that you can relate with most. That's why I ask you, you cannot feel your spirit. You cannot feel, people say, I feel the anointing. You cannot feel the spirit. You can feel hot or cold. That's your body. You can feel happy or depressed. That's your soul. But your spirit has no emotions. Your spirit is always intact, always excited, always joyful. The fruit of your spirit, joy, patience, long-suffering, you know, all that is in your spirit. But your soul now, by being exposed to God's word over and over and over, your soul catches up with your spirit. And that's why even though you're giving your life to Christ, you are still addicted to nicotine. Because you have given your body nicotine for so long. Your body had become accustomed to it. But now by reprogramming your mind, your body can begin to be yielding to the leadings of the spirit. Why do I still struggle with sin? Not because you are a sinner. You are not a sinner because you sinned. Listen to me. Listen. God loves sinners. When you were in the world, you've never attended church before. We told you that God loves you. He loves your Christianity. We now want you to Jesus Christ. You now say, hmm, now that you are born again, He cannot love you except to read your Bible. He cannot love you except to pray. He cannot love you. Ah, 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 That's an That God must be suffering from some form of mental. Because if He loves an outsider, unconditionally, when you are a sinner, we saw you outside, we told you, God loves you. Come to Jesus. Come to Him. This is just the way you are. Come. And then you come because we saw you smoking, bro. We tell you, don't worry, we come and meet you. Jesus loves you. Brother, even with this, you go, I want to just love you. Then we now come to church. After service, and I saw you drinking, smoking, go there. And I said, Ah, I am disappointed in you. And you call yourself a Christian? Abada. Abba. It's still me, me of yesterday, that Jesus loves without any condition. My body has not caught up with my spirit. Your spirit is pure. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. But now you must begin to train your flesh to align with the leaders of the Holy Spirit. If you do it fast and fast and strong enough, your body will catch up faster than you think. If you wait and you lag behind and you slow down, it may take you 10 years. But for some people, you see them, pew, all the things they used to do, they don't do it anymore. Because they quickly expose themselves to God's word and God's presence. If you are here and you are addicted to any kind of thing, it's very simple. Addiction, you will always be addicted. Addiction must cancel addiction. Eh? Addiction must cancel addiction. If you're going to stop watching porn, what are you going to start watching? You see, I used to watch porn before. And I now said, I'm not going to watch porn again. I'm going to leave this. The Bible says, walk not, walk in the spirit. 
that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look at that, look at that. Walk in the spirit that you know what? It is a try not to walk in the flesh that you may walk in the spirit. He said, you just focus on walking. The moment you start walking in the spirit, you are going to naturally not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what I did was that I now, that my data was to watch porn, I now began to download heavy sermons, 720 gig. So by the time I even download a sermon, no, no, no gig. That's where we start. So the time of the day that I used to watch porn, I know the time. You have vulnerable moments, vulnerable emotions, vulnerable circumstances. There's a time in your life that you are more susceptible to do a wrong thing than other times. For some people, it's in the middle of the night. For some people, it's early in the morning. For some people, it's late in the night. Some you, you already know your womb. So I now shifted my prayer time to the devil time before. That this was the time we used to do this thing before. Now, addiction was cancel addiction. So now I got addicted. I downloaded Kenneth Copeland's Rodney Howard. Oh my goodness. Over and over. Bishop David, over and over. At the point, I say, no, 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 no. This thing is now an addiction. Because I will sleep with the world. I wake up. Our house was full with Bishop Wedebo's voices. I said, this man, is he a member of our family? Because his voice was every day in the car, in the house, everywhere. Even God say, hey, Philip, it's too much. Your wife is not happy with this. <laughs> because I'm not talking to her. I was talking, oh my God. Did you hear what he just said? That's faith. Faith for this. Say, ah, so where will you even talk to your wife? And it's morning, I'm going for the treats. I'm going for this one. I'm going to pray. So I did not even know when I stopped watching. If they ask me now, when did you stop? I can't say. I did not try to stop. I walked in the spirit. Yes, sir. I did not struggle to stop. I just leave that thing on one side. And I channeled all the energy the Bible says, as you have served Satan, so now serve the Lord with all your strength. So I poured out all my... You see, because if you are running away from something, you must be running towards something. Or they are going to cash you back. If you are running away from something, see, the Bible says, pursue righteousness. Flee immorality. But do what? Pursue righteousness. If you don't pursue righteousness, you just flee. Eh, 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 eh. They will just grab you again. <laughs> Come back. You are our own. We are together. Because you have nothing you are pursuing. You get my point? So I have images. I have images of Bishop Wedipo on my wall. Images of Pastor Deboe, Billy Graham, Billy Akoni. I printed their pictures and I printed them on my wall. When I wake up, hey, Philip, this is how you want to be like. So I stopped thinking about who I don't want to be like and I started focusing on who I wanted to be like. Are you following me? So you see, my spirit was perfect from the first point I gave my life to Christ. But my struggles in the flesh were still there. And how did I stop it? I began to align my flesh. All those days of my struggle, God didn't love me less. Yes, the days I went back into my vomit, God didn't love me less. God didn't love you less because you went to carry Olosho yesterday night. Even if you are Olosho in this place. God didn't love you less. And they carried you last night. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God did not love you less. God will not send you to hell because of your struggles. Listen to me. Listen to me. I just hope that you are going to hear. God will not send you. How, what kind of useless father is that? Imagine me, my daughter coming home. I saw her struggling with mathematics that she couldn't understand. And I'm beating her. I'm beating her. I saw that this girl is actually trying. But she can't. What will a normal father do? What will the proper father do? Supply help. Is that what to do? 
get home lessons teachers, get assistance, get because you see that this girl is working hard at this thing. So why will God send you to hell when you are struggling? It's so that you are struggling, even you are not happy doing this thing. The reason why they call it struggle is that it's because you have not given up yet. That is why it's a struggle. If it is not a struggle, then means you have yielded to it. Some people are not struggling, they are enjoying. But there are people who are really struggling. And as you align your flesh, feed it with the word. Come on. I remember watching Kenneth Copeland almost 12 hours. Watch and watch and watch and watch and watch. So my, ah, you see what this guy said? You see what he said? He said, he said, he said, he said ah, excited. This is a new one. He asked me, before I know it, I didn't even remember. That was that one. Because if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But from the very beginning, your spirit was perfect. If you are here today and you are struggling with anything, I want you to know that your spirit is perfect. It is your soul that needs to be worked on. And the devil, the moment God is able to get your soul aligned with his word, your body will yield. This body is the weakest of everything. He likes to do gra as if he's very strong. But your body is not as strong as your soul. Your mind, your intellect. Your body is not as strong as... You see, your body is the weakest. I'll tell you the truth. I've said it before. If you pick up a girl now and you're saying, I'm going to have sex with this girl. And as you're there, you're already unloosing your belt. And everything's already standing. And she's there saying, well, well, before we go on, I just want you to know I'm HIV positive. <laughs> you say, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say, well, 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 well. It is well, my sister. <laughs> By yourself, you do what? You carry your trouser. You know you will not pray. Will you say, Lord, help me, deliver me, even though she says, I cannot stop myself. No, you're not. You will suddenly find out that you have dominion over sin. You will just see that you are just, it will be an easy issue. You just take away, you say, well, I just pray that God, you know, God will help. You know, and you walk away. You walk away. Your spirit is perfect. Bow down your heads and just worship the Lord. Just praise Him. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.